the subject that I'm going to share with you is uh, what we might call the gospel according to. Now, normally, what would you put after that? Uh, it would you, some would say Matthew, the gospel according to Matthew, uh, Mark, Luke, John. Maybe you would say Paul, because Paul will sometimes say my gospel. But today we're going to be looking at the gospel according to, and get a good advance here. Um, David, uh, the gospel according to David. Uh, so why David? Um, in May, I had the opportunity to present a um, a paper, a, a presentation to uh, some people that included Muslim scholars, and I was comparing the theme of the uh, sovereignty or the kingdom of God in Islam and in biblical understanding. Uh, and they're really quite different, although there's an overall understanding of God being sovereign in both. Uh, and I, but it, the window I used to look at it was David. David is a prophet in the, in the Quran. And uh, of course, we know that in the Bible, David is an extremely important figure. Uh, what in, when you look at the David in the Quran, he's basically a prophet, a prophet of monotheism. Uh, there's not much told about him. He is one of the prophets who gets a book called the Zabur or the, the Psalms. But it's a very different story. There is nothing about the, the core story of David in the, in the Bible, which is about God's promises to David that he would receive uh, an everlasting kingdom through uh, one of his descendants. None of that is there. But, of course, in the New Testament, uh, we are told, Paul says, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering. Uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and as I looked at this more, more closely, uh, studying and preparing for this, is inseparable from David, from the whole biblical record of David. It is intimately tied to it. You can see that in this verse here. For Paul, the gospel of Christ was, uh, was connected to it. How so? Well, uh, everything about David, uh, from his being anointed as the king, from his being part of the, the uh, seed of Abraham. Uh, you think of how the New Testament opens uh, with the the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. It begins that way. Uh, Jesus, when he began to preach, you know, that David, uh, probably the most important moment in David's life uh, is when he receives in the, in, from the prophet Nathan the promise from God that of your house I will raise up uh, a king and his kingdom will last forever. And when the Lord Jesus came preaching, he preached, what was it? He preached the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel. Uh, he was the son of David. He was the, uh, the descendant, the offspring of David. And if we could ask David, and that's what I want to do today, I want to say, David, uh, what is the gospel? What is the gospel to you? Uh, David was not just the offspring, uh, sorry, the ancestor of Jesus. David was also a prophet. He was a prophet who spoke uh, of, of Christ. He was a prophet who spoke of the gospel of the things to come. And that's what I wanted to think about. The New Testament often calls on David as a witness. Uh, they, the Lord himself and the apostles cite David repeatedly as a, to testify uh, to Christ. 
Uh, so, and you see this here in 2 Samuel chapter 23. David was a prophet, the oracle of David, the son of Jesse, the oracle of the man who was raised on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel, the spirit of the Lord speaks by me. He says, though his word is on my tongue. And he goes on in this passage to talk about the, the reign of God through a righteous king, through a, he says, the, the reign of God through a, a ruler that judges righteously is like a cloudless morning. We had a, a morning like that here in Wheaton, uh, early morning, that, and the moisture that's on the grass. And then he says it's like rain that makes the grass to grow. A, a just ruler is a gift of God. And especially the ultimate just ruler who will come from the line of David. This is God's gift, and David knew that. And Peter also says in Acts chapter 2, David was a prophet. He says, he quoting from Psalm 16, David's psalm. Uh, David says concerning him, Christ, you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that, that's David, being therefore a prophet. Not a prophet of monotheism, although of course he believed in the one creator God, but being a prophet of Christ and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ. Uh, so David was a prophet. Peter talks about this in his first letter. He says, uh, talking about all the prophets, the prophets concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. The things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. This, that was 1 Peter 1, verses 10 to 12. And if you look at the beginning and the end of this quote, you can see that the prophets, including David, and the apostles announced the same news. They announced, they prophesied about the grace that was to be yours. The things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, the apostles. So we can expect that David, who was one of these prophets, to prophesy of the grace of Christ, to the sufferings of Christ, his subsequent glories, uh, and many of the other things relating to the gospel. So if we say, okay, David, let's ask you, um, prophet of Christ, what is the good news? And what should we do? How should we respond? That's our question. And we're going to look briefly at five Psalms where David speaks about the gospel, where he tells us about Christ. First one is Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? We're not going to read all of these psalms. We're going to read a few sections, and the most will be from this second psalm. Uh, we'll look at psalm, well, I'll tell you what the next one is in a minute. So, uh, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his, own, his anointed. As a prophet, David spoke and he wrote and sang about the chaos and the unrest of the nations. 
I think if David was, uh, he could have been watching CNN or Fox News, either one of them today. At its core, the, the human condition with all of its social injustice and sickness and tragedy uh, suffers under the consequences of the rebellion of humankind against the good rule of God. Racism, viruses, all of these things stem ultimately from what we call the fall, the fracture of our relationship with the creator God, the sovereign who made us for his glory. It's a, it is set against his rule to be their own rulers, independent of God. And that's, that's of course, what the problem is. When the, in the New Testament, though, and that's the, all of these psalms that we're looking at are ones that are quoted in the New Testament about the Lord himself. If you look at how these verses are used, they're related to explain what happened at the cross. Because the apostles in Acts chapter 4, uh, when they are under persecution, uh, they pray to the Lord, and they cite these verses. They, they knew that this international rebellion found its fullest expression when the rulers of Rome and the rulers of Israel crucified Jesus. Under persecution, they prayed and they recited these words in Acts 4, Sovereign Lord, who, the, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? They cited these words in prayer. They said, for truly in this city, Jerusalem, were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined uh, to take place. The apostles knew the lesson of praying with David. They believed and they understood that the Psalms were not simply ancient hymns. They were the words of Christ ahead of time. And they prayed with David. They called in persecution, they called on the Lord, and we can do the same thing. Um, this takes us to the cross, as I said. It's the, God's hidden wisdom, his plan, his, uh, his mysterious plan was, was here at the cross when the, they came together against the Lord and against his united, his anointed, sorry. And they're not surprised that what they're going through, uh, this suffering, they're not surprised by it at all. They're not, they weren't really expecting anything else because the Lord had taught them. They weren't expecting rights. They were expecting uh, that they would be given power, and they prayed for boldness to preach the gospel uh, in the face of it while God stretched out his hand to work. And so David, as he goes on in the psalm, he not only talks about the nations, but then he, as a prophet, speaks for, for God. Uh, he's, this is what God thinks about it. He says, listen to God. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. And God says, as for me, I have set my king, the anointed one, on Zion, my holy hill. Uh, David would say the gospel is the good news of the righteous reign of God's king. This is what the world needs. This is the ultimate uh, answer, is the reign of Christ. And when Jesus came, you remember how he began. He became preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. He was teaching and healing 
and casting out demons. And he said that when, if I, by the spirit of, of by the Holy Spirit, cast out demons, know that the kingdom of God, the, the saving rule of God has come upon you. This is God's answer. His salvation through his king, through his Christ, his son. And then, and of course, we can see that through the gospels in many places as the Lord Jesus announced the, the gospel of the kingdom. And he even said that that gospel would be proclaimed throughout all the age. The, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the nations until the end of the age, and then the end will come. In Matthew 24, uh, 4, 10, I believe that is, if I'm citing it correctly. David then goes on not only to speak on the Father, but he speaks for the Son. He says, as the Holy Spirit of Christ within him speaks, he says, I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, and this was not ultimately the words to David, this was to the Lord Jesus. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. This is uh, God's word to the son. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. And this is the, the gospel, he would say, David, the good news of God's ultimate word, his word through his son. God has now spoken through his son. When is today? Today I have begotten you. That's not, that's not simple, actually. Uh, of course, eternally, in eternity past, God, the son, was the son of the father. God is father from all eternity. Uh, God is son from all eternity and spirit. But today I have begotten you could speak of the baptism of the Lord Jesus when father speaks from heaven. You are my son. With you I am well pleased. But then Paul, when he's explaining, and he cites this psalm again in Acts chapter 13, when he's explaining that today, he, he says, uh, knowing that all through Jesus' ministry, the, his identity as the Son of God was what was challenged and opposed. The devil said, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, do this and do that. And around the cross, again, if you are the Son of God, come down. Come down from there. And God said, this is my Son. And he raised him from the dead. And he set him at his right hand. And in Acts chapter 13, uh, he says, uh, Paul says that it was, today I have begotten you. And he speaks about God raising Jesus. And he says, God, by doing this, fulfilled his promises to the fathers. This, we preach this good news to you. And David would have been explaining the same gospel, that God has raised Jesus from the dead. And then the call of the gospel from, uh, from David here is quite clear. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth, kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. What's the call? It's the same as it is all the way through the Gospels in the New Testament. Honor the son. Honor the son. Kiss the son, God said, as Jesus explained in that parable, the, the king says, I, will, I have one, I will send him, I'll send my son after all the servants. He finally sends his son, and they say, this is the heir, let's kill him. He was rejected. But God raised him from the dead, and he says, you will honor my son. 
kiss my son, bow to him, worship him, be reconciled to me through my son. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. So I'm going to give us give five responses to David's gospel, and this was the longest section right there. The first one is kiss son, respond to him, reconcile with him as our king, take refuge in him, love and honor him before his wrath is kindled. So that's the first. And now we'll move a little quicker. Uh, ask, let's ask David again, what is the gospel? Prophet of Christ. And what should we do in response to it? Yes, it's the good news that of the king, of the kingdom. And this is what made David sing and, and rejoice. So we ask him again, what is the good news? Well, if we go to Psalm 32, which is also cited in the New Testament, David will tell us, he said, and here's the blessing of the gospel, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Paul explains in Romans chapter 3 and 4, the mystery of redemption, that God justifies the ungodly through the propitiation, through the blood of his Son. He is able to count the righteousness of Christ to their account and not count their sin to their account. And David said, blessed, what a blessing. And he knew, he knew all about this. He could say, uh, if anyone knows, I should know. He said, I fell into adultery. I fell into sexual sin, lust. And then, and not only that, but I had the woman's husband murdered, a soldier who was loyal to me. And yet, he's able to say, blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. Uh, this is really good news. On what condition is this? What condition does this come, David? Well, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. David would say, confess your sins. Pour them out before God. You cannot hide Hidden sin will rot away at, at our lives. It will destroy our souls. Pretending not to have sinned is to live, not to have sinned is to live in darkness. Not to have sinned against God's standards, whether it's adultery or pornography or other sexual immorality or hate or deceit or theft. If we hide it, it will destroy us and God's hand will be on us like it was on David. The fundamental condition for Life with God is openness, transparency, confession, repentance. And David would say, confess your sins. That's one of the differences between uh, what Islam tells us about David and the prophets and what the Bible tells us. They are sinless in, in Muslims' thoughts. They're to be models of morality and perfect perfection because there's no gospel in Islam. There's no forgiveness of sins, but... God does not need a cover-up for sin. The gospel does not need that. In fact, it needs exactly the opposite. We can come boldly confessing our sins to the throne of grace, and he will forgive us. He will wash us from our sins. So that would be David's word again. Responding to this gospel, confess your sins. 
live transparently before him. All right, David, we see that, uh, that the righteous kingdom to come uh, from your descendant and the forgiveness of sins, that is great news. Anything else? What is the good news? And what should we do? Let's ask David again. Psalm 22. The gospel according to Psalm 22. And we probably know this one as well as any others. My God, my God, it begins. Why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groanings? David was a prophet in whom the Spirit of God was pouring out the words of the suffering Son of God. These words are far beyond David. They take us to Jesus on the cross, forsaken by God, bearing our sins in his own body. These words are, are so familiar to us that David's saying, they have pierced my hands and my feet, and they have, they have cast lots for my garments. And these are the words of the cross. The first 21 verses of the psalm take us in great detail into the sufferings of the, of the Christ. Uh, and the cross. But verse 22, and maybe we're not quite as familiar with this, but we find this often in the suffering Psalms, that at a certain point, we move to the resurrection. And how do we know that verse 22 is the resurrection? Well, Hebrews chapter 2 quotes this verse, Psalm 22. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you, says the sufferer risen from the dead. And he says, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. So this is a psalm. David, what's the gospel? Well, the gospel is that the, the risen Christ appears in the midst of his remnant, the little flock, the believers of Israel who believed in Christ. He appears to them. He begins to praise the Father. He begins to explain to them. He spends 40 days explaining to them the, the kingdom of God. He teaches them about it. And then he sends them out to the nations. So the movement in this psalm, uh, as it is in many psalms, is from the suffering of Christ, to his resurrection, to his appearance to his people, and then to all the nations. It goes from them all the way to us at the ends of the earth. And so what are we to do in response to this? Well, I think we, need, we are called to join his brothers. He calls us his brothers and sisters. This is my mother and my brother and my sisters. These are my beloved ones. And we are called to join them and see them that way. And we are to join them in praise as we're doing this morning. Thank you for having us with you. And we know that today people all over the world and all the nations are gathering as brothers and sisters, as the younger brothers and sisters of the firstborn, among whom he is leading the praise, and we are worshiping the Father. And we learn to pray and to praise along with the, the suffering, uh, sufferings of David and the rejoicing of David, and we do that through our Lord Jesus Christ, the ultimate Son of David, through his Spirit. So, how do we respond to David's gospel? We kiss the Son, we join his brothers, we confess our sins, and we join his brothers uh, in prayer and praise. So we ask David again, what is the gospel? And Psalm 16, if we look at that, 
I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. Acts chapter 2. This is the resurrection. You will not abandon my soul to hell. David, what is the gospel? It is the gospel of the resurrection, of freedom from the fear of death. Peter says, David, knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on the throne, he foresaw and he spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we all are witnesses. David tells us that the gospel is about resurrection from the dead, about the certainty of incorruptible life. And as a prophet, he foresaw that. And he himself looked forward for the fullness of joy in the presence of God. David believed in the resurrection, and the Lord Jesus brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10. How do we respond? Well, we rejoice. In resurrection life. We do not just dwell on the difficulties of this life and the uncertainties of it, and we battle for joy. We battle to rejoice in resurrection, in the life that has been granted to us, in the certainty of eternal uh, joy with the Father. We strengthen our faith, knowing that, as it says in this psalm, He will never abandon us. He has taken hold of us for all eternity. And one last time, we'll ask David. David, what is the good news? And what should we do in response to it? The most quoted psalm in the New Testament is Psalm 110. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Wonderful psalm. Um, my Lord at God's right hand, I've put here. Remember how the Lord Jesus used this psalm. He used it to leave the, the religious leaders of Israel speechless. He said to them, he asked the Pharisees, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And they, of course, said he's the son of David. And he said to them, well, how is it then that David in the spirit calls him Lord? saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David then calls him Lord, if David says, my Lord, to him, how is he his son? Well, that is, of course, the mystery that uh, David's son is also David's Lord. Abraham's son is also before Abraham, Abraham's God. That's the mystery of the incarnation, the mystery of the Son, who is both Son of God and Son of Man. The final verses, the next verses in this psalm, this is the verses that we're going to, to end with, teach us what it means to live saying, my Lord, my Lord. Uh, there are enemies, it says, until I make your enemies your footstool. We live in an age when there are enemies of Christ, when the enemies are not yet destroyed, when, the, uh, when sin and Satan and death still overshadow the earth, and when people still reject the rule of Christ. 
The Lord says, and David goes on in this psalm, and he says, The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Now, I, I, everyone wouldn't agree with me on this, but I think here that this is still referring to the time as he is in heaven. He is reigning, but the enemies still remain. Uh, and it says there, your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments from the womb of the morning. The dew of the youth of your youth will be yours. This was a great verse for uh, the student volunteer movement in missions. Your people will offer themselves freely to him. His people offering themselves, giving themselves. And I think if we ask David, David, how should we respond to your gospel? He would say, give yourselves freely. Abandon yourselves to my Lord. Dance before him. Serve him. Sing to him. Give yourself to his service. He is my Lord. And when Jesus becomes our Lord, we then live by our, the rest of our lives by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. This is the gospel. And he tells us that the people of the Lord will offer themselves as holy priests. They, it, it was the great movement that began on Pentecost as Peter and the other disciples went out laying, out laying down their lives and it has gone on. And it's why we are here today, because of people offering themselves freely to the Lord, lovingly, gladly serving him. So our final response to David's gospel is, David, what do we do? Serve my Lord freely. Give yourselves to him, he would say. So do we hear and respond to David's gospel today? Are we kissing the son, worshiping him? Are we confessing, living transparently before him? Are we joining with his brothers and sisters, his congregation, where he is leading the praise? Are we giving ourselves to that? Are we rejoicing in resurrection life? And are we freely giving ourselves to his service? This is David's word to us today. Let's just pray. Thank you, Father, for the wonderful privilege of listening again to the gospel, for hearing the wonderful news of, of your son through the Psalms of David. Help us to sing and praise with him. Help us to rejoice in the gospel and to live our lives for our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that we can be together today and that we can worship before your throne. We give you our praise and our adoration today in Jesus' name. Amen.